Welcome to Streaming Wisdom, a place to discover your very own wisdom being activated through my storytelling. Just like me, you weren't made to fit into this consensus reality that you've quietly doubted your whole life because you are destined to pioneer a new one, shoulder to shoulder with many of us. And it's an auspicious time for humankind right now. So let's find each other and lead the way from our hearts and from the frequencies of real love, true power and wisdom. Consider me a friendly voice by your side, encouraging you as you continue to liberate yourself, express your genius in the world and fulfill your original intention. I hope you're as delighted as I am and have found yourself a cozy corner to relish in this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I know of no part of the body that equals the fascia as a hunting ground. All nerves go to and terminate in that great system, the fascia. By its action, we live, and by its failure, we die. The soul of man, with all the streams of pure living water, seems to dwell in the fascia of his body. That is a quote by the founder of osteopathy that I intend to bring to life in today's stream. So welcome back. It's great to be here again. I'm Julia McEwen. If this is the first time you've heard my streams, you may want to go back to part one of Fascinating Fascia for a very rich contextual overview. Or you may not, of course, that's perfectly okay. It's just a recommendation. Because we covered so much about what the fascia is in part one, I'm going to look at a few things here that don't normally get a mention, but help paint the picture of this fascinating subject. And I note that the word fascia nestles perfectly inside the word fascinate. And speaking of the word, I'm going to dive right into the etymology of fascia as it's such a wonderful place to begin with the word. And there are plenty of interpretations, but I picked one which was my first hit because it kind of freaked me out in all the right ways. You see, about three months ago, I was standing in a castle in Guimarães in Portugal, and I was kind of mesmerized by some elaborate tapestries draped from the stone walls. My dear friend and I noticed a repeating object in the works. It seemed to be Roman Christians consistently holding a bunch of long sticks bundled together with an ax striking out from the top, particularly amongst crowds of people. Seeing these pop out throughout all the tapestries, among many other things going on, told me it was really important. Not that I knew why, but I got out my phone and took a photo, somehow knowing it was for later. I forgot all about it until a few weeks ago when I was making notes for part one of Fascinating Fascia and realized whilst I knew a bit about it, I'd never looked into the etymology of the word fascia. When I did, I came across this. The Latin word fascia means a band, bandage, swath or swath, I'm not sure, ribbon. And that actually makes sense when you look at the structure of fascia. I went on to read that in Welsh, it means a load or a burden. 
very interesting because, geez, that's how my fascia felt to me a few years back. And it seems to become a load, a burden as we age through life. And in Old English, it refers to the inner bark of a linden tree, a beautiful flowering tree with many healing properties, by the way. And it's also featured throughout the elven world in the Rings of Power, which I also find very interesting. But what stood out the most was that the word is a derivative of the Latin word faces, meaning a bundle, and was used to describe a bundle of rods containing an axe with the blade projecting. And something sparked inside of me, of course. I quickly pulled out my phone and went through the Portugal photos and found the one I was after, the tapestry. I compared these objects to an image search of the word faces, which were identical and realized I was mesmerized for a reason. In that castle, I was staring at and slightly mesmerized by the very tool where the word fascia was derived from. How cool is that? <laughs> oh, no wonder I felt inspired to take a photo. I continued reading that the faces, which was actually a horrible tool carried by a superior Roman magistrate, but what struck me was this, as a symbol of power over life and limb. And I'm thinking, whoa, yes, fascia is that important that it has the power over your life and your limbs. Words are truly no accident, are they? So going back to the quote I read out at the beginning about the fascia, by its action we live and by its failure we die. That's actually demonstrated throughout our language. Oh, again, how cool is that? <laughs> it's amazing to me. And now that I've shared my little geek out moment of synchronicity, I will continue on. In part one, I did mention that the journey of the fascia is a multidimensional one. So beyond the physical sensations, reactions, pain, and benefits is a whole nother world of trauma, stress responses, emotional wounding, and emotional management. Let me begin with a fresh, potent experience that demonstrates what fear does to fascia and how your fascia can change shape and form instantly based on a new experience. As I said in part one, it's a very intelligent sensory organ that mimics you. So my experience was about snakes. Ugh, they kind of terrify me. And when I see one in the wild, I go right into flight mode and my immediate stress response is to run fast. And I know this very well because I've seen plenty of snakes in my life. Recently, I was staring up at Coolum, which looks like a small mountain, but it's actually a giant rock overlooking the Sunshine Coast with great ocean views. Until then, I'd never climbed the rock, even though it's only a 15 minute drive away, as I like to wait for, I guess, an energetic invitation to step upon any of the mountains or rocks in our area, as they all feel very sacred and very much alive to me. So I'm not just going to intrude in someone's home. I'm going to wait till I'm invited. So this very day, I was sitting at the beautiful Maruchi River and spotted Coolum in the distance. Finally, I knew it was time to climb him after nearly seven years of either visiting or living here. Walking back from the river, I saw a baby python crossing the boardwalk right in front of me. 
and it raised up to look at me before continuing on into the muddy mangroves. I decided it was time to put my shoes back on (laughs) in case it wasn't alone and I carried on not thinking much of it. The very next afternoon, I was climbing up Coulomb and I felt totally exhilarated because being a rock, it was actually quite challenging with stepping stones and plenty of uneven surfaces, which is really great for my ankles and balance. Now that combined with taking only 20 minutes to reach the peak and stunning views was making for a perfect quick workout. I decided that this is going to be my new weekly workout all until I began my descent when I promptly changed my mind. I passed a woman and we exchanged a quick glance and a smile. And as she walked away, I looked up at the rock wall not far from me and there was a giant thick bodied python. (laughs) It seriously looked about three meters long. It was just weaving in and out of the rocks. It was just like, when do you stop and when do you start? The type you see snake trainers pull out of people's homes that are big enough to make the local newspaper. (laughs) So that obviously initiated my flight mode and I almost broke out into a full run. But after just a few steps, I stopped dead in my tracks, reminded that I had a massive fear of snakes and realized that this was a crazy yet kind of golden opportunity to change how I respond during such a stressful situation. You see, I've been learning recently about how you can complete an incomplete stress response, such as fight, flight, or freeze, by choosing a healthy version of an alternative response. That's a bit of a mouthful, so let me just say that in a different way. In our life, we always react in certain ways to stress. It's generally fight, flight, or freeze. And sometimes this can become a really unhealthy pattern. So let's say you're in an argument with someone and your response is to always flee and run away. It can create a really unhealthy pattern that can limit us in so many ways. So by changing how we respond and choosing a healthy version of a different response, we can actually interrupt that pattern and complete an incomplete stress response. So back to my story, normally I run and now I chose to stay. (laughs) I actually made myself. I metaphorically glued my feet to the ground and watched the snake make its way across the rock wall. Entranced, obviously, they're amazing creatures and I really respect them, yet horrified by its tiny muscles moving so eloquently all together and knowing how strong it was and how quick it was. (laughs) I grabbed my phone with really trembling fingers and took a photo. I walked away a bit and filmed it, very harmlessly making its way from the main path for shelter. I said to myself, it's not interested in you. Just try and stay a bit longer and relax into the experience. Just really see if you can be there and find calm and peace standing in front of something that scares the crap out of you. And just as I thought that, the snake pulled its head back up and out of the rocks and turned looking right at me. (laughs) I thought, oh, fuck this. (laughs) And I bolted down the big rock. So I guess I um, almost completed an incomplete stress response, but I had a pretty good go at it. My legs were trembling. 
I shook all the way back down the rock, but I didn't really notice it as I was talking to another woman who promptly turned around once I told her the news about what was on her way up. (laughs) And she helped diffuse my stress a little because we were laughing and I didn't really notice how much I was shaking until I got in my car and drove home. And I was just like, oh, yeah, it was like snakes were crawling under my skin is probably the best way to describe it. And for at least an hour after getting home, I was actually trembling, like kind of out of control. My legs were moving centimeters (laughs) back and forth. Now, the next day I released the fascia around my calves and it was so tight and more painful than I can ever remember, possibly since the first time I attempted to release my calf fascia a few years ago. Yikes. It's like they were full of adhesions that seemingly appeared overnight. And I wondered, of course, is this what fear does to fascia? Do we instantly tighten up, possibly from the adrenaline? Are we trying to protect ourselves by putting on a thicker layer of fascia that's so close to the skin, it's like becoming thick skinned? I was blown away by how quickly my fascia reverted back to when I first began releasing it. The fear gripped me so tightly and my fascia seemed to respond accordingly. I was reminded of how fearful and anxious I was as a child. Since I can remember being alive, I was in fear. Not that I had a reference point for what it was like to not be in fear. I didn't even know what fear was. I certainly wasn't able to identify the issue because feeling fear most of the time seemed like a natural part of life to me. It actually took me a pretty long time to realize that not everyone else felt like that, being in a state of fear and anxiety most of the time. I was terrified of anger and sudden emotional outbursts if they happened in my family home. Even though I'm a very community-orientated, sociable person by nature, my conditioning produced a polarizing effect and I had severe social anxiety, mostly towards groups that I didn't fit into, which was nearly all of them. (laughs) This made me experience fear every day. As I grew up on a farm, I caught the school bus to high school and the very moment we came into town and the bus changed gears, The sounds and the push and pull motions of the bus would trigger the exact same fear response in my body because the men were about to get off the bus and go to school, a crowd I certainly didn't fit into but had no awareness of this at the time. I didn't even know that there was an option not to belong. I just felt like an outcast on an ongoing basis. I'm sure many of you might be relating to this. I just hated this moment every weekday morning. I would feel very intense butterflies in my stomach, along with a pit of dread, sweaty palms, my heart racing so fast. Like sometimes it felt like it was beating out of my chest because at high school, as a young woman who wasn't very confident, (laughs) a number of things could go wrong. I could trip over. I could say something stupid. Everyone could laugh at me. I could be humiliated. I could be teased or um, bullied, so I could be kind of targeted for the day, which did happen quite a few times. And something just as simple as what if I can't find my friends and have to sit alone? What would everybody think of me? My social anxiety carried from my family home to school and to my many workplaces throughout life. I felt constant fear and dread 
and looped negative thoughts about facing every new day and nearly anything coming up in the future, even things to get excited about like a holiday, were often laced with fear and dread underneath. This was all unconscious, of course. I got the shock of a lifetime a while back when I realized this. My fascia responded to this by holding on, gripping, contracting, straining, tightening, and protecting because I was always sensing danger. Imagine being in hunting mode your whole life, hunting out all the things that could go wrong. What happens to a body that never truly relaxes out of this primal state? I never knew that I was gripped with fear and that my fear was gripping my body back, literally. No wonder my fascia was in such a terrible state. My terror shaped it by my actions, behaviors, feelings, and thoughts. Now, some fascia quote-unquote experts say that trauma is stored in the fascia. Maybe it is, but I do know that you can release trauma from your fascia because that's my real lived experience. Hand on heart, I've done this and have come to know the fascia as a gateway into the deeper parts of you. What is real in my life is that I can move beyond my trauma and living from that place by releasing my fascia, along with many other methods, of course. But why not heal and regenerate physically as you tend to your trauma and emotional wounding and experience a full-blown metamorphosis, right? (laughs) It's pretty powerful. Releasing fascia can bring my wounds up and out so they're no longer running the show in the background. So perhaps trauma is stored in the fascia or perhaps the fascia is simply a gateway. Either way, it's an awesome tool to help you unlock your core wounding. Now I say that phrase a lot, so it's time that I paint a picture of what I mean by core wounding. When you came through the birth canal, something quite profound occurred. A unique song that's never been heard before entered these realms. It reverberated to the ends of the universe and back again. A world that was forever changed by your presence. That sound was pure. It was the song of your soul. Your soul song. People flocked to you to greet you, utterly mesmerized by your beauty, purity and your bright shiny soul. Your presence was something they couldn't get enough of, wanting to be around you, hold you, stare longingly into your eyes because you reminded them of something so natural and pure that lived inside of them once that became a little hidden behind layers of trauma and pain along the way of life. You beamed a song, a frequency so pure, it stirred others in all the right ways. As you grew up and had your fair share of growing pains and traumatic experiences, your song became a little distorted, somewhat off tune as you found yourself responding to your world and relationships through the eyes of pain, hurt and trauma. As subtle as it can be for some and as obvious as it may be for others. Although you are always beautiful and perfectly imperfect, you have lost a little of your luster and shine. But through your awakening and deep awareness of your core wounds, you've been making the unconscious conscious, shining light on your darkest parts, 
facing your deepest wounds and fears and acknowledging them as they come up and out for what wounds are presenting is actually what's leaving your field. Your soul song harmonizes more so every day and you begin to act from your truth, your true nature. Your core wounds played a beautiful role in reminding you of who you really are, but day by day, you are finding life beyond them. Now that was pretty abstract. (laughs) So let me speak plainly about what I mean by core wounding. And I'm not going to be saying anything new or revolutionary, although you probably don't already know. I really just want to ensure that we're on the same page for this stream. For me, core wounding are the major negatively perceived experiences that happen in your life, mostly at a very young age, helping shape who you are today. And I could also call this trauma, as many people do. In addition, wounds can be carried through from your ancestral lineage, from your father's side and your mother's side, which I call generational trauma. And some are from other lives or times and locations where you exist simultaneously. The way you are conditioned as a result is often less about the actual experience and more about what you made the experience mean about you, life, other people, and the world. You then protect yourself in an attempt to never let that experience happen again, to essentially avoid feeling bad in its many different expressions. It could be grief, shame, humiliation, anger, sadness, or even regret. As you go through life and face these experiences, you dress yourself in masks that eventually hide the real you, because you need protection, (laughs) because the real you got hurt. Now I call these strong suits, armor that serves to protect, but also can keep many wonderful things out of your reach, such as deep trust, intimacy, connection, being fully self-expressed, safe to feel, safe to express your feelings, to take healthy risks, especially emotional ones, to maintain healthy boundaries, meet your own needs, and so much more. (laughs) And also, your core wounding isn't bad. It's not something that you need to get rid of, but how you protect yourself from it does limit you. Instead, you have an opportunity to face it, move through it, and live beyond it, or at least relate to it in a much healthier way. You may have heard the term, your mess is your magic. Well, this is where you realize that your core wounding played a significant role in who you are and even in your original intention. As an example, my collaboration and leadership wounds led me to grail leadership and working with emerging leaders. My chronic pain and mental health journey led me to transforming my health and wellness and helping many others do the same. So I wouldn't change my negatively perceived experiences for the world. And that's exactly why they are negatively perceived because at the time they're awful and we label it as bad, but it's really just our perception because so many terrible things that happen to us in life end up being the thing that creates so much more magic and beauty to unfold later on. That all depends on how we manage it. That is key because right now our emotional wounding and our trauma is gravely mismanaged. 
I believe humans are presented with similar experiences over life and lifetimes until we move beyond them. In your current reality, many opportunities present themselves in order to alchemize your wounds that are being expressed throughout all time and space. It's all kind of happening at once and there's always an opening that's actually showing up in our life that we're able to address. And by addressing that, we seem to create a, I don't know, like a vibration that goes throughout all time and space and potentially clears up that major wound that has been projected into our whole experience, our entire universal journey. (laughs) That sounds like a really big deal and a lot of um, hard work. It's not. It's actually really simple. If you find the core (laughs) of the wound, it's like pulling the root of the weed out. It takes the whole thing. Not that I think that we should pull weeds out, but that's another story. (laughs) And yes, so that might seem overwhelming to some or even confronting, but it's not really a choice. It's kind of your responsibility. (laughs) Life is perfectly orchestrated to show you your wounding. So you are able to finally face and move beyond it. Because humankind is so intricately connected We have similar themes to our core wounding. Absolutely, it's your unique experience every time. It's never going to be the same as anyone else's, but there are similarities. So let me give you some examples that will really help bring this to life. The mother wound, the father wound, wounds pertaining to the feminine or the masculine, such as distrusting all men or all women, abandonment or banishment wounds, unlovable or unworthiness wounds, betrayal, phobias, the victim, perpetrator, rescuer web, which is a web because it's really easy to get caught in and stuck in for some time. You have leadership wounds, sacrifice and martyrdom, healer wounds, creator wounding, and so on. There's so many. These come from an event and perhaps have been repeated subtly throughout your life in a series of events. As I mentioned earlier, it's what you make these experiences mean about you that does the harm, often much more than the experience. And of course, there are always exceptions to that. And none of these meanings that you make about you are actually even true. They come from a young developing mind that's inadequate in many ways. These meanings can be expressed as core beliefs about yourself. Phrases much like an unconscious mantra looping behind your words, thoughts, and intentions, such as I'm stupid, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm a burden, I'm crazy, I'm jinxed, I'm a fake, I'm a phony, I'm sick. I'm evil, I'm ugly, I hate myself, I'm alone, I'm misunderstood, I don't belong, I'm a slave, I'm not free, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I'm insignificant. And of course, these are mostly unconscious. People have no idea that they are running in the background. I don't know about you, but I seem to have a lot of encounters with strangers who happen to just start offloading their current reality to me. Generally, they're sharing about pretty dramatic situations that have occurred in their life. And 
of course I'm present and I'm listening to what they're sharing and I'm getting the gist of the story. But sometimes I'm watching a full grown adult and they morph into a young version of themselves. And I can see the child of five, seven, even a teenager. And sometimes all I can hear is, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself, or I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable. And that's actually what's being said behind the words. That is their reality that they are living from. (sighs) No wonder they suffer. No wonder they struggle through life. No wonder I suffered. No wonder I struggled through life because I was doing that all the time. And it just amazes me. How many people experience this and it creates such pain on a very subtle level and such dissatisfaction with life and unhappiness and it projects all through our creations and our relationships. Yeah, it can cause a lot of harm. So fucking hell, I'm friggin' passionate about this. If, if there is any way that people can make the unconscious conscious and hear what is running the show and watch it leave their body through releasing their fascia. Like I'm going to share this stuff with the world. And like I said, there are many different ways to release trauma. There are beautiful, profound ways to do it, but I just really love involving the body, creating an experience that is really the whole being is on board, the mind, the spirit, the emotional body, and also the physical body. And obviously the fascia, because it's a record keeper of the soul. It records our whole life. It reacts and responds to us. It's everything. So why not have the fascia on board with this whole process? Yeah, it's the library of our universal journey, I believe, expressed in this physical world. It's a profound being to work with. Ooh, I just got shivers because I, as I said that, I really felt my fascia just going, yeah, (laughs) like, thank you for recognizing me and acknowledging me. And thank you for sharing my secret with the world. (laughs) So as many other people around the world are, I'm definitely not the only person talking about fascia, perhaps even in this way, but the more expressions that we get to choose from to hear about this incredible organ of the body, I think the better. Now, I did want to mention as well that there's also external meanings that we make, not just about ourselves, but they're directed at others or the world in general, such as everyone breaks my trust, people let me down, people are out to get me, nobody truly sees me, this world is not safe enough to have a family, other people destroy my creations. Ouch. There's so many horrible meanings that we can make about others and the world. How we build our armor around these meanings is based on avoiding a repetition of a bad event or negatively perceived, whatever we want to call it. If I'm a young girl at school and I unconsciously believe that I'm stupid, I might become funny and make jokes to deflect questions being asked of me and hide my stupidity or that I may just not know. If I'm unworthy, I might overextend my worth and value to loved ones, communities, and workplaces, making myself very useful (laughs) and often to the detriment of my own needs. I'm sure that throughout your life, you've sensed the impact of your wounding on your life and your relationships. It runs like a program in the subconscious, which determines your choices, behaviors, actions, thoughts, and feelings completely infiltrating your life, 
especially your creations and relationships, because everything is relationship. Your relationship to your body, yourself, to others, communities, technology, food, your home and car, your business, your career, your creations. Relationship is everything. (laughs) Now, when your wounds are finally acknowledged, that is, you've made the unconscious conscious, the energy begins to shift. For that process to leave your field could take seconds, minutes, days, months, even years. But for however long it takes, it is the beginning of the end. It has begun to shift. And maybe you meet layer upon layer of that wound down the track, but you are working through it and having a whole different experience. I would say more freeing experience of life because of that shift. Something just as simple as awareness can even change your thoughts, feelings, actions, and behavior moving forward. Making the unconscious conscious is how you change who you are and your experiences, and the true you embodies and occupies more of you, rather than your programming and conditioning, which is a considerably limited version of you. So getting back... I think fascia plays a huge role in how you manage emotions, wounding, and trauma because it's a gateway to unlocking that which keeps you limited, making available more choice and eventually freedom from that which limits you. This is true freedom, freedom to be who you are and to make choices for yourself beyond your programming. So yeah, I feel pretty passionate about fascia release, not just for freedom from chronic pain, but from your core wounding and trauma. A while ago, I assisted a friend release fascia around her calves for the first time. And when she stood up, she suddenly exclaimed quite emotionally and loudly, I just don't know why I need to go, go, go all the time. (laughs) Why do I work so damn hard? The statement was so off topic that I wondered if she'd release some emotional energy. And I said, Hannah, do you think you've been storing your whip and workhorse in your calves? I received a huge yes. (laughs) By the way, her jaw immediately dropped and her eyes widened at this realization. Imagine not being able to stop, always having to work hard to prove your worth to never take time out of your day to relax, even when no one's watching you, even at the cost of your happiness and your physical and mental health. Going at it all day, every day, making up excuses to never stop, builds over a lifetime, and in her case, into her lower calves, causing all types of pain and immobility. And what's beautiful about fascia release is that sometimes we don't even need to know what we're letting go of. The very first time I compressed the fascia of the lats area to one of my willing guinea pigs, (laughs) within a few breaths, she immediately burst into tears, held onto my foot (laughs) that was actually compressing her fascia, and she wouldn't let it go until she moved through her mini catharsis. I don't know what was triggered and released at that moment, and according to my friend, neither did she, but she was so much lighter and happier when she got up off the floor. And she shifted. (laughs) She's definitely not the same person from that process. And sometimes you'll know what you're letting go of. 
Once I was shearing fascial adhesions over my abdomen, an area that I tended to neglect in my fascia routine because it's so tired and hurt so much. <laughs> and out of nowhere, working towards my upper left abdomen, I sat up so suddenly as if I was possessed and stated quite ferociously, I hate you, mum. I was pretty shocked by my sudden outburst, seemingly very misplaced because I really love my mum and enjoy our relationship. But my fascia doesn't lie. A part of me was really angry. And by the choice of words I used to express this, I sounded like a tween, <laughs> somewhere between child and teenager. That's really the only clue that I got. I went on with my life, popping that incident into the bag of many mysteries that happen when working with this form of intelligence. A few days later, returning from a family event, I suddenly burst into tears and momentarily relived a childhood memory that I'd forgotten about. Knowing that I was a fearful, anxious child, you can probably guess that I used to wet the bed as well. I did this every single night for many years. One day, my mum, who was changing my bedsheets for the gazillionth time, had had it. I guess looking back, she was at her wit's end with washing and changing my sheets every single day. She was cross and passively aggressively changing my sheets, slightly berating me for wetting my bed. It was more like a lecture about how I wasn't allowed to wet the bed anymore, especially at my age, and that I must stop. I stood back in the corner of the room, shrunken, terrified, and more than anything, just so ashamed. Tears were strolling down my face until she saw my reaction and softened her demeanor. But it was too late. I was already so ashamed that I wet the bed at such a later age in life, and now I wasn't even allowed to. This really frightened me because I had no control over my bladder at night. That level of terror, of course, stored in my fascia. It recorded the incident that I had forgotten about. Perhaps it was too painful to remember. Perhaps I didn't have the tools to process that emotion and level of stress back when I was young. And it was just a beautiful process where my body and my fascia allowed me to store that traumatic incident until such a time when I was truly ready to face it. Who knows of the inner workings of these things? I'm just trying to point out that it's not bad that our fascia stores our pain and trauma. Maybe it's actually trying to help us um, because at certain times in our life, it's too hard to deal with at the time. Back to where I'm in the car crying all of a sudden and retracing this experience. My hand finds its way to my upper left abdomen. And I realized that a few days earlier, I had physically freed this part of me and released this trauma. And now I was watching it leave my field literally like a scene of a movie unfolding. It was so beautiful, so real, and felt so right. And these are just a few occasions of many. Over the two and a half years, I've experienced and witnessed a number of emotional releases by working with my own fascia or assisting a friend to do the same. So it seems to me that when fascia is released or decompressed, it can simultaneously release trauma, 
allowing you to move beyond a negative emotion or experience that has been stored for weeks, months, years, decades, or perhaps even lifetimes. And this is truly what's required to move beyond chronic pain. It's a multidimensional approach. The physical body is an expression of all our other bodies, our spiritual, mental, emotional, energetic, and so on. And I've found that for pain or disease to be expressed in the physical, to make it all the way to that point, well, it's highly likely it came from somewhere else and can be traced back to perhaps an emotional or energetic issue. For example, I've mentioned in a previous episode that my chronic fatigue relapsed throughout my life when I was betraying myself. Betrayal, (laughs) deep betrayal, working in a job I wasn't passionate about, staying in the wrong relationship and so on. When I wasn't being true to myself because it's so fucking exhausting and energetically draining to keep up a pretense to the detriment of my energy and true nature, hence causing fatigue. My chronic pain would flare up when I allowed others to mistreat me. And of course, there are physical implications to all of this as well, starting with the mitochondria of the cells and the state of my fascia. It all contributes. But when you work with the whole being, you have a much higher chance of moving beyond the issue And as a surprise, finding more emotional freedom, love, and harmony in life and relationships, along with the physical symptoms clearing. It really is a remarkable process. So to be clear, moving beyond chronic pain may require more than one technique. In fact, it most likely will. I needed to tend to my fascia, unlearn all the ways I put pressure on my body in the way that I move, sit, stand, and walk. I needed to tend to my inner world and conditioned behaviors, as well as alter my diet and lifestyle habits, which I'll touch on in future episodes. And speaking of future episodes, next I'm sharing all about how to get started with the fascial shearing techniques that I used. This is to support you moving beyond chronic pain, managing your emotional body and trauma, and creating the conditions to heal and regenerate your body among many other wonderful things. So hopefully I will meet you there. Wow. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you making the space in your life to tune into this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I trust you enjoyed it so much that you're about to share it with a loved one who may welcome this wisdom being sent their way. So you're aware I'm not on social media at the time of this release. So if you wish to say hello, ask a question, or browse my current offers, go to grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. And the best way to stay in touch is to subscribe on my website where you can receive my seasonal email musings and a heads up when new episodes are released. If you have received greatly from Streaming Wisdom and feel an urge to give back, here are my most cherished ways of receiving your appreciation. One is to share an episode on social media or with a loved one. Another is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and reviews are very welcomed. You can also make a financial contribution via the podcast page. 
Again, that's grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. However you contribute, know that it fills my heart and fuels more episodes of streaming wisdom. Thank you again, wise one. See you next time.